The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to see him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me up on a high rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. Thanks, Mike. Well, can I borrow your stand, Mike? Is that all right? Can I borrow your mic stand? Your stand mic. All right. It is a bit short. It's uh, for a hop at preaching. All right. Thanks, Mike. You stand up, tell me where the right heart is. All right. That's good. That'll do. So, who's looked out up at the stars recently? Too cloudy? In, in, in the last week or so, last couple of weeks, anyone seen the, uh, the sky, the night sky? It's one of the things I've loved about living, you know, now that we're country people, out here in Mount Barker, moving from the big smoke. It's funny hearing locals talk about Mount Barker, you know, how it's so busy, how it's growing so fast, and it's, just, it's a beautiful town. It's, it's got a lot, a lot of people coming in, but it's still got that at night. We can you know, hear the odd sheep kind of barring or cow, you know, the odd owl hooting. And it's just beautiful to see the night sky when you're, you're out of the city. And uh, I don't know if you caught those images recently from NASA. Uh, was it the James Webb Telescope? Does anyone know who James Webb was? I'm asking because I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, because it was the Hubble Telescope. The James Webb has kind of taken over as the, the new big thing. That's the Carina Nebula. It's, uh, it's uh, I think, a, a, like a... They call it a star nursery, like where stars are, are born and kind of come into to being. A star is born. And it's, uh, it's beautiful. That, that's an image taken, uh, you know, I think they, this particular telescope, you know, just lets the, the light come for a long time and captures the image and puts it together. 
So you get these deep, deep shots of, of space. Now, that, um, those clouds you see there, are, it's kind of like dust. It looks like mountains. Now, I, I found out how, how big that is. So who knows how big Mount Everest is? It's pretty big. Yeah, so Mount Everest is about nine kilometres high from the Earth's surface high, about nine, nine kilometres. Um, this is a lot bigger than that. <laughs> so this is... Who's heard of a light year? Okay, so this is... Not Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> that, what you're looking at there is seven light years in length. You're going, okay, well, seven's not a very big number. Okay, well, a light year, if you travelled, got in your car and travelled 300,000 kilometres a second, okay, so put your seatbelt on because that's pretty fast, and take a sick bag too if you get car sick. If you travel at 300,000 kilometres per second for a whole year, that's a light year. And you would have travelled about nine and a half trillion kilometres in one light year. So when you look at that, light year is, is, a, is a unit of measurement of distance. So when you look at that, you're looking at something that is six, about 65 trillion kilometres across. 65 trillion kilometres across. Now, at the price of petrol, that's going to be really expensive <laughs> to get across that Carina Nebula. It's pretty big, right? <laughs> um, the Cartwheel Galaxy is another image that's come through. And that little baby there, remember in your light-year car, your light-year ship, you're doing 300,000 kilometres a second, and over a year you're travelling 9.5 trillion kilometres. Well, if you want to get there... You'd have to travel not a light year, not 10 light years, not a million light years. It would take you 500 million years to get there. <laughs> it's 500 million light years away. <laughs> Whose brain's just a bit fried here? Okay, so that's, that's 500 million times 9.5 trillion kilometres that's how far away the Cartwheel Galaxy is. Now, our, our galaxy, Milky Way, just in case long distances you know, make you a bit queasy like that, if you want to get across the Milky Way, you're only going to be travelling for about 100,000 light years, our galaxy. So if you're feeling a bit like, this is way too big, I need something more cosy, more kind of easy to deal with, well, the Milky Way, if you want to go across, you've got about 100,000 light years across. So it's it's. You know, we are pretty cosy here in the Milky Way galaxy. Um, this here is a, a, one, probably one of the most amazing images. This one was released by President Biden. It's such an important image. All those little dots there are not stars. They're galaxies. Now, remember we just said our galaxy, the Milky Way, is about 100,000 light years across? We're a small galaxy. I think our near neighbour Andromeda is about 220,000 light years across. So what you're looking at there, like one of those dots, is something that is trillions of kilometres across, just one of the dots. And they're all galaxies. And there could be, 
We don't know, but I think they're up to maybe around 200 billion galaxies in the world. In the world, in the universe. <laughs> yeah, not in Mount Barker, uh, not in Adelaide. There's, I mean, like big. So each of those is a, is a galaxy. Is like one of those little dots is... I think one of them is our, our Milky Way solar system, but there's just so many. Um, and so, King David, in that prayer, prays, the Lord, God, the one who created all that light, all that space, that God, that creator, is my light. It's the light of my life and my salvation. Whom should I fear? I see how breathtakingly awesome and mind-blowingly amazing is God. Why should I fear? Why should I fear? Why should I worry? That, that Lord, that creator, as I look out into the universe and see the light of the stars and the galaxies and the, the planets, that, that Lord is the stronghold of my life. That's the one who holds me. That's the one who has my life in his hands. Whom shall I be afraid? And yet, don't we fear? Don't we worry? Don't we get afraid? As we journey through prayer this uh, next little while, we're kind of going through the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. And in, in one sense, it's a whole prayer, but there's some different facets, like a, like a diamond of, of Jesus' prayer that he taught us. And one of them is adoration and praise, adoring and Standing in awe of, of God. And Jesus starts... Oh, sorry, go to Chesterton. He was an author back in the 19th century. He said, The worst moment for an atheist is when he is really thankful and has no one to thank. Or you might say, you know, when you stand in awe of the universe like that, you've got no one to ascribe it to except some random accident. When it comes to life... The critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. And so back to David, his prayer. And I've said King David there and King Jesus because Jesus learnt to pray as, as a human being through the Psalms. The Psalms, the book of Psalms, that 150 prayers in the middle of your Bible, that was the prayer book of Jesus. And he would have memorised... Probably many, if not most of those psalms, he would have memorized them. Daily he would have prayed them. Every day Jesus would have prayed these psalms. So when we read the psalms, they, they are our prayer book as well. They're, they're kind of like the training wheels for our prayer life. The psalms help us learn how to pray. They help us learn what to pray, to whom we are praying. The psalms are uh, the guidebook, the prayer book, not just of the people of Israel, but of the new covenant people, which is us, the, the church. Jesus was praying in a certain place one day, says Luke 11. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. I've mentioned before um, that when people heard Jesus pray, 
his disciples, they were Jewish as well. So they grew up praying the Psalms. They were praying every day, three, five times a day. So they knew how to pray. When they heard Jesus pray, they saw and and experienced a new vitality, a, a new intimacy with God that they didn't understand or comprehend. So when they say, teach us to pray, these aren't pagan atheists who've never prayed in their lives. These are people who daily, for their whole lives, up until this point, have prayed. And they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Just like John taught his disciples. And then in Matthew chapter 6, which is the kind of parallel version of this story, the Lord's Prayer, um, this is what Jesus said. This then is how you should pray. You say that after me? This then is how you should pray. Now, when Jesus says should, it's not advice. <laughs> it's not take it or leave it, you make up your own mind. This then is how you should pray. And he teaches them this prayer. Now, should we pray that exact prayer exactly the same way every day? Why not? It's a good start, right? If you're struggling in prayer or your prayer life is a bit off track at the moment, Just daily start with this prayer. This then is how you should pray. But we're going to go through it over the next four or five weeks, pull it apart a little bit, and today we're going to be in adoration, in praise. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I just want to comment a little bit on that. Our Father, it it says so much. It says so much that we're not random accidents hurtling through the cosmos with no purpose, no meaning and no destiny. It says that at the heart of reality, at the centre of all things, is a person. Is a person. Some Eastern religions talk about spiritual forces, mystical forces. Um, Atheists will talk about nothingness. There, There is nothing behind reality or creation. But Jesus, as he teaches us to pray, says, when you pray, Say, our Father, our Father in heaven. The universe is not empty. It's not random. It's not meaningless. It's governed by a mind, by a person, God the creator. Here there is no black or white, male or female, rich or poor, as all humanity must say together, our, our Father. In this word, we address God as a person. And Our Father where? In heaven. In the existence where God dwells and and lives and reigns. And we see this in the book of Revelation, what heaven is like. We get a little window kind of open for us in the book of Revelation, other parts of the Bible as well. The Apostle John has a vision. What does he see? What does he hear as as a window into the heavenly realm opens? He sees all these heavenly creatures, angels, elders, these beings worshipping God, thanking God, praising God. For all eternity, God has been praised, glorified, worshipped, adored by all the host of heaven. In one sense, it's true to say and right to say that God's the only person in the universe who is justifiably full of himself. He's full of himself and he overflows. And all the beings, all the creatures in the heavenly realm for all eternity have praised his beauty, have praised his majesty, have praised his glory, 
have praised him for his goodness, his wisdom. He's surrounded by that. And so in this prayer, as Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Jesus invites us up into that perspective. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. And he invites us to see. And then he says, hallowed be your name. It's not a word we use much, um, hallowed. But for all of human history, we understand it archaeologically, historically, philosophically, theologically, that people everywhere venerate people or objects or gods. People venerate or give worth or value to things or people outside themselves. We do it in celebrity culture. We kind of put human beings up on this pedestal and and venerate them and and revere them in different ways. We do it to places. Uh, Having come from Melbourne last year to live here, the MCG is referred to as the hallowed turf. Hallowed turf says it, yeah. It's like sacred, the spiritual home of football. Footy has a spiritual home, and it's the MCG, apparently. We, we venerate things. And here Jesus is saying, the only one that you should venerate, that you should ascribe special status, holiness, and glory is God, his name. And Jesus demonstrated this in his life. In Luke 10, he, I love this little picture of Jesus as the disciples come back from their mission says Jesus at that time full of joy through the Holy Spirit said I praise you father lord of heaven and earth because you have revealed these things to little children I praise you father lord of heaven and earth Jesus lived this and his disciples saw him in praise and adoration of his heavenly father Uh, over and over again the book of hebrews in chapter 13 verse 15 says therefore through jesus let us continually offer to god a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips that openly profess his name so when we gather together on sundays we gather because it's our father it's also my father and your father but as we gather we're saying our father our father And we praise his name together. We're not just singing songs for the sake of it because we're filling space before the sermon happens. No, we're singing songs because together we're saying, Our Father in heaven, praise be to your name. And David, in other psalms and other places, praised God. He says in 1 Chronicles in the assembly of the people, Now our God, we give you thanks and we praise your glorious name. We praise your glorious name which is what Jesus is continuing to teach them to do. Now, let's continue. Tim Keller says this about prayer and praise and adoration. They are necessary preconditions for the proper formulation and motivation of all the other kinds of prayer. This doesn't mean we can never go immediately to petition or confession, but it means that In our overall prayer life, praise and adoration must have a prime place. We just just go to God with a list of needs or a whole series of complaints, which is kind of my natural tendency. I just want to moan to God all the time. And the Psalms give us permission to do that. It's okay to lament. It's okay to be honest. It's okay to complain and be, you know, to God in prayer. It's okay to tell Him how it is. 
That's all right. It's okay to ask for your needs, to pray for help and support. It's okay to confess and seek forgiveness. All that's good, and we'll see that in the Lord's Prayer as we go on. But ultimately, God is a person. God is a beautiful being, and he deserves to be honoured. He deserves to be praised. And as we do that, our perspective changes. We get clarity on life. Alan Myers says, Praise is regarded by the Bible as the response due to God from all creation because of his majesty and saving actions. It is the dominant characteristic of true worship. Adoring God, praising him for who he is. And you can't do that unless you know who he is, which is why we encourage Christian people to read the scriptures, to Use the Psalms as a basis for your prayer so you can learn more about who God is. So your vocabulary and your ability to praise him flows from the truth of who he is and who he's revealed himself to be. Thankfulness is praising God for what he has done. Adoration is praising God for who he is. You think about that in a relationship, whether it's a child, a parent, or, or spouse to spouse, or friend to friend. If you had a friend or a spouse or your child, all they ever did was come to you and tell you their problems and ask you for things. It's okay to do that in an intimate relationship, by the way. That's fine. But if that's all they ever did, oh, you'd get a bit weary of that, wouldn't you? Be like, oh, for goodness sake, you know, am I, don't I have any value to you for who I am? Don't you just value me for who Am I just someone who you need things from or you want to sort out your problems? Now, God is gracious and he will help us. He will hear us. He does care. But praising him for who he is is the way we express love and adoration to him. I love what Charles Spurgeon said, that the power and the benefit of praising God to us, to forget to praise God is to refuse to benefit ourselves. For praise, like prayer, is exceedingly useful to the spiritual man or the spiritual inner man. It is a high and healthful exercise. To dance like David before the Lord is to quicken the blood in the veins and make the pulse beat at a healthier rate. Praise gives us a great feast. Praise is the most heavenly of Christian duties. Imagine dancing like David. I do that sometimes in my own private prayer times. Not that I know how David danced, but, but I move. I put on some, some worship music and suddenly a really great, bright praise song comes. I just get up. And I start moving, I lift my hands. I love moving, um, you know, singing and praising God. And then you come to church and like, no one does that. So just sit still, man. And one instrument is exceeding sweet. But when hundreds of instruments, both wind and stringed, are all combined, then the orchestra sendeth forth a noble volume of harmony. Combined praise is an anticipation of heaven. For in that general assembly, they all together with one heart and voice praise the Lord. You don't get like your own little private room in heaven to have your quiet time with God, so to speak. It's, it's this communal celebration. You see it there. Um, I'm sure you get like your own house and you can have some space or whatever. I'm not too sure. But the, the point here is that when we gather like this and when we stay away from the gathered people of God, we miss out on this blessing. We miss out on glorifying God together, joining with the heavenly host in this. So when we pray, Jesus is inviting us to, to start with our Father in heaven. Start with just something about who God is. Lord, 
I love you. Lord, thank you. Lord, you are good. Start your prayer. Start your day. End your day with adoring or thanking or praising God for who he is and what he has done. And then you think, well, so what, Nick? Like, I've got pressures. I've got family pressures. I've got finance issues. I mean, have you seen the price of green beans lately? They're like $24 a kilo. And here you are talking to me about all this airy-fairy praise stuff. I've got work pressures. I've got deadlines. I've got kids to get ready for school and sort out. I've got, you know, COVID happening here and there. And what, all this fairy pie in the sky kind of airy-fairy stuff. Like, give me something, you know, practical. Now, well, this is the practical thing, right? Because if you want to get a proper perspective, a heavenly perspective, a, a right mind perspective on your life, on your circumstances, on your situation. The last thing you want is just to be stuck in it and looking at that alone. Thinking only of the problems, only of the pressures, only of all that's going wrong, only of all the difficult things. You're going to become someone who's self-pitying. You're going to become someone who's just bent in on themselves. You're going to be miserable to be around. No, this is practical. Jesus isn't just saying this is for some holy people who live in monasteries. No, he's talking to his disciples, to people like us, everyday people who have challenges and pressures and work and family and all that. And he's saying, I want you to pray like this. I want you to get a sense of how great God is and how wonderful he is. And I want you to enjoy praising him. I want you to enjoy him, to adore him as your heavenly father. And as you do that, as you look and see him, as you pray in thankfulness and praise to God, you'll get perspective on all this other stuff. It'll find its rightful place. God will give you the sight and the inner strength to face those challenges as you see how wonderful he is. Didn't you get that sense just before when we looked at those nebulas and those constellations of stars and galaxies? Didn't you just get a sense of how small we are? And, and why do I worry about anything? If God governs the universe, why am I worried? But then at the same time, like me, don't you get worried and obsessed and, and, and focused on issues and overwhelmed and, and in trouble and fearful? That's a human condition, right? So I think Jesus, as much as in one sense, God doesn't need our praise. But we need to praise God. We need to get our lives centered and in the right foundation that God is God and God is amazing and God is good and God is beautiful. And we need to understand our place in the universe. And our place is not at the center of the universe. That's God's place. And when we allow God to be God and he takes the center in our lives, all this other stuff will find its way. And he'll give us strength and he'll help us work it out. David says, the Lord is my light. That creator God is my light, my little life. He's my light. He understands my family pressures. He understands the challenges I'm having. He understands the personal issues I'm facing. He's my light. This glorious and awesome God is my God. So lift up your eyes, says Jesus. When you pray, lift up your eyes. Say, my Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your beautiful name. A few other things here as we wrap it up. Praise of God dethrones our ego and pride 
from the illusion that we are most important and that we are at the center of reality. The flip side is, is that as we look to God, as we look to what he's done for us, we see how valuable we are, how precious that we are that he would send Jesus, his son, for us. But we also get a sense of, hang on, I don't need to be trying to run the world here. I'm not God. I need to get a sense of who I am in the light of him. Praise makes attitudes like ungratefulness, sullenness and grumbling less likely. And as a result, we are happier. And consequently, everyone around us is happier. (laughs) Praise puts us closer to reality, true reality as In the real world of God's existence, the heavenly domain, which is all around us, that that heavenly kingdom, praise there flows eternally and without interruption. So when we praise, when we adore God, when we celebrate him, we actually are aligned more with reality as it is and as it always has been and as it always will be. We may as well get practicing now in praise. So as you... Look at that um, collection of galaxies. I'm not sure what the collective term is for a grouping of galaxies. Let's just call it blooming amazing. (laughs) A wow of galaxies. Um, As we look at that and as we remember David in his prayer, the Lord is my light. The light coming from those galaxies was created by a creator. As amazing as the universe is, it's a creation of the creator. And that creator is my light. And unlike David, we know this creator even more intimately through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He is our light. And this Jesus came from heaven and gave himself in sacrifice and love for us. He became a sacrifice for us, for sinful humanity, to bridge that gap between this holy and awesome God and ourselves. We know we have even more than David did to praise and to glorify God about. We have more wonders than David saw in his day, and yet he had a heart and a mouth filled with praise. So I thought we'd just take a moment, if you can read this, to stand together as the team comes and we're going to lead into a beautiful song of worship but I want us to to practice praise remember I said the Psalms are are like our training wheels for praise and adoration you don't just have to think of stuff just start with the Psalms you know there's 150 of them I divide them five every day over the month except for February and for months where there's 31 days I have a slightly alternate plan but generally there's five Psalms a day so what's the date today? the 7th? So I would say to myself, okay, if I wanted to start prayer this morning, where am I going to, what I'm going to pray about, what I'm going to pray, I'd just go times 7 by 5, you get to 35. So go, go back 5, 31 through 35. So any day I can just jump into some psalms and start to use them as my prayer. Pray them back to God and, and just train myself in prayer like that. So all these verses here I've pulled from psalms. I haven't put verses there. I want us to stand together, if you can read that. And I want us... To praise God using his word, and then Andy and the team will lead us in worship. Mike, do you need you to stand back? Okay. So let's let's say it again. And let's say it like 
you know, in, in sort of, um, in a way that's worthy of the God that we saw who made those galaxies. Like with all of our heart, with all of our soul, let's speak out these words of praise to God. I'll lead us off. I love you, Lord, my strength. You are good and your love endures forever. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. I praise you, Lord, and thank you for your goodness and that your love endures forever. I thank you so much, Lord, for your unfailing love and your wonderful deeds for humanity. I love you, Lord, for you hear my voice and you hear my cry for mercy. I will sing of your love and justice. To you, Lord, I will sing praise. It's a bit more. Praise be to you, Lord, to God my Saviour, who daily bears my burdens. I will praise your great name, Lord, and glorify you with thanksgiving. I praise you, Lord God, for you alone do marvellous deeds. Praise be to your glorious name forever. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Let heaven and earth praise you, Lord, and may the whole earth be filled with your glory. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we worship you. We thank you for the privilege and the joy through Jesus that we get to call you our Father. Our Father, the one who cares, the one who governs our lives, the one who understands us, the one who knows what we're going through. The one who knows the the deep secrets in our heart, which may cause us pain or distress or the struggles that we have, that you are our father and you are in heaven. You are in the heavenly kingdom, that kingdom which does not end, which has no beginning and no end. That kingdom that you have invited us in through Jesus, your son, the kingdom of your glorious light. Thank you that our lives are destined in him for that kingdom. That your kingdom will come and your will is being done and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he makes us holy. That he forgives us our sins. Mm -hmm. That he teaches us that we too can call you our father. Not the father or some great distant God who's far away. But our father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Blessed be your name, Lord. You are great. You are great, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Nick.